Well, as a couple of politicians have said while behind the podium, Brexit does mean breakfast. Welcome to the Skeptical Podcast. I'm Matt, I'm the producer of this show and long-time suffering friend of political commentator and co-host Ben Kelly. Now then. You can find Ben at Skeptical on Twitter, where his views are his and his alone. Just a little disclaimer there. Each fortnight, the idea is that Ben has a subject, does a monologue, and we discuss it before bollocking on about other shit. Please enjoy. Sir, looks like the pandemic's all going to shit again, doesn't it? Sir, should we take a little break from thinking and talking about COVID-19 and lockdowns and second waves to talk about something else? So, let's talk about Brexit, shall we? Yeah, let's talk about Brexit over and over and over. Well, let's just keep talking about it year after year after year. Let's never, ever stop talking about Brexit. Four years, I'd never imagined that Brexit would be still near the top of the agenda. Still being argued about intensely, still burdening our political system after all this time. Now, some of you may know that I supported Brexit, a fact which still makes me a target for criticism or abuse every now and then, which is fine. People are angry, angry about the messy last few years and the blame leave voters for enabling. Fine, I understand that. Voting leave was a disruptive thing to do. It was inherently risky. So I was part of a fringe group of Brexiteers arguing that we should leave the EU but remain in the single market. We were the moderate Brexiteers, or the liberal Brexiteers, but we misread the situation. Badly. <sighs> that feels a long time ago now, so I guess I'm being punished. Punished by never being able to escape the debate. Never being able to stop talking about it, no matter how tedious it gets. So I'd assumed that the government implementing Brexit would prioritise the economy, you know, take the path of least resistance. And that isn't what's happened. That hasn't been the priority. Sovereignty has been the priority, or an idea of what sovereignty is. So I've taken a four-year intensive course in how wrong I was, which is fun. There we go. I've had to admit I was wrong. But I'm not a born-again Europhile. I don't believe the principles and instincts that I drove my support for Brexit were extreme or unreasonable. I just thought the UK would be better as a constructive partner to EU from the outside. In hindsight, obviously... Well... I made false assumptions, poor judgments, and I misread the politics. I've long since declared myself a former Brexiteer. It's not turned out as I wanted. This isn't what I expected. This isn't what I argued for. This is not what I wanted. I got lost in theory and ideas. Brexit became an abstract concept. So I lost all sense of how things would work on the ground in the realities of our politics. Our politics of this time. So I got involved in campaigning and ended up with a blinker view of the situation. I was making my own arguments over and over and over. Every day. Until the one person I'd convinced the most was myself. And I created a bubble. I created a bubble for myself via social media by discussing these subjects with the same people all the time 
I believed in something. As if I could go back now and show myself what the last four years had been like. There's no way I would have voted for it. And like most people, I'm sick of the whole bloody thing. It's all its all about culture war, really, and I thought this culture war would die down, not kick up a notch. That's what it's all really about, isn't it? More than anything. People identify with leave or remain tribally, and it's part of their identity. The culture war's consumed everything. So I was trying to have a debate about how the country was governed, but the culture war was all that really mattered, and I couldn't see that. I didn't see that. Most people have picked a side, including the government. And that's what it's all been like for a long time. Now two sides who care more about opposing each other than anything else. Are we ever going to move on? Isn't it time for reasonable people to try and reconcile and shape the future? Or are we doomed to endlessly squabble and resent each other? Surely it's time for us to meet in the middle somewhere, shape a better future. Dial down this culture clash, put the past behind us. I had decided happily to step away from this debate. I'd admitted that was wrong publicly. And I had no passion for the idea of Brexit anymore. I wanted to walk away from it. What more could I add? But we're just three and a half months before the end of the transition period and the debate's kicking off again. People are dying of you know, transmitting diseases left, right and centre, but Brexit's the top of the agenda again. So here we go. We're talking about Brexit again. Getting stuck in again. Just when I thought I was out, they pull me back in. this puts me in the mind of puts me in the mind of um a sweaty teenage love affair what does like you've got all your your experience of of brexit and your personal experience of like getting behind something and then and then going through a period of remorse afterwards you've got like swept up in <laughs> romantic idealism yeah yeah, the idea that you'd, you know you and your partner could run off to an <laughs> island and live together just the two of you forever yeah. Um, and that would be absolutely fine. It'd be fine. But then, like, the inevitable rot of, of reality sets in. Um, I think it's quite a good and, analogy, actually. End up it's quite a good analogy. Disappointed and, um, yeah. I did sort of manage to create a sort of uh, political theory, a fantasy, if you will, in my head that was mostly based on, some, well, one, some very seriously misjudged assumptions, but also just... I don't know, just a, a dream, a, a sort of, it was, you know, getting just a, a vision of something that wasn't really real. It was more of a, a hope. Uh, and and to start, commit to it to such an extent that you're campaigning on that means that you necessarily have to have tunnel vision because you are concentrating solely on that. Six months in 2016, that was a campaign. I was staying up till 3 a.m. writing about it and putting my arguments. And I surprised myself because one, uh, I could use my writing skills to try and persuade and convince in ways that I've since realised. I never knowingly was dishonest. You know, I, I really wasn't. Um, yes, I was trying to persuade, but I did believe what I was saying. I did think I was right. Uh, but nonetheless, uh, looking back on some of the things I wrote, I did think, wow, uh, not only are you very wrong, but you are arguing very, very well. Uh, to people who are susceptible to it uh, about some about a, a theory and ideas that are just fundamentally the wrong you know uh it, it was a 
you know, I've never come out as a, a born again Remainer, but, <laughs> you know, I, I would say if you now took me back in time and said, look, this is what the next four years is going to be like, there's no way I would have voted to leave because I thought that things would calm down afterwards. And that is one of the biggest errors I could have possibly made. I, I, I didn't wasn't interested in the culture war. I didn't think it was as significant as it as it has turned out to be. I didn't think it would intensify. I thought it would calm down afterwards. Uh, and everything since, I didn't understand where our country was and where a lot of Western countries were, which is volatile and unstable. I didn't see that coming, you know. For me personally, being your friend at that time, obviously our views are quite different to each other, but... Um going through like the, the um brexit like when people you know vote the voting for it or voting against it and having a friend who who was who was pro it and you were you are my only friend who voted for it mm. um it was it was really a really nourishing thing for me in terms of like conversations i could have with other people about about the subject um so it was really good. Um, but what was also interesting, though, was when we would come together as friends and uh, you would be the person who would be the, the outsider who's got his bee in his bonnet about Brexit and nobody else really cares about it but isn't going to vote for it, um, but doesn't really have very strong, opin- strong opinions about it, but you seemingly did and devoted a lot of time to it. Um, that's quite strange. And you kind of, you did actually kind of, when, when we conf- when we talk, tried to talk to you about it, you did kind of try and hide it to a certain extent, I think you would say. Yeah. And, um, uh, yeah, looking back, I know when it was. I remember, well, there's a few occasions, but particularly on a friend's stag do where you questioned me. And I, I, there's three factors in, in the fact that I basically didn't want to engage. And, and one is um, I don't actually like talking about politics to friends very much. I, I, funny enough, especially because I'm, I'm talking about all the time to strangers, I don't actually like long discussions about it. Two, uh, yeah. I fundamentally think that, that that once I was out of the bubble of the people who were involved in making these arguments, Twitter and social media, etc., speak to people who believe the same thing and have made the same assumptions and convinced themselves of the same things, it made me uncomfortable and didn't really want to discuss it, uh, which shows a lack of confidence in, in my position. Because I obviously I value your opinion and, uh, as a friend. And what you actually asked me was not... You didn't say to me you're wrong, here's why. What you said to me was, why do you care so much? And I don't think I had an answer for that at the time. Um, Because when I'm with my friends, I I do start to to question things like that, you know, because I think there's a nihilist at my core that I'm always fighting against because I don't really like to think like that. Um, And so I think I pulled away from that and why do I actually care do I actually care it felt like in that room at the time I thought to myself I'm not actually sure why I care but I wasn't ready to question it then because I was already set on the track and it was one way and there was no getting off you know it was too late in the day what was that 2015 or something uh, 17 can't remember <laughs> I don't, don't ask me I'm terrible with I can't remember when he got married all of that shit. he was only married for a year so I've, I've chalked yeah. off that date it's not significant <laughs> And I sort of think about it in this way, you know, a lot of thing in the news over, over the years about uh, people radicalised online, you know. And this, I think, actually, I think if this was a very low-level, sort of more harmless and benign version of that, because it was. Uh, we did manage to create our own bubble. And most of Our campaigning was mostly online, but there was some meetings and stuff. And you, you create a bubble for yourself. It doesn't have to be the Westminster bubble. I mean, I live... I lived up north and, and I wasn't, you know, I'm far removed from the London bubble or whatever. 
but I created a bubble for ourselves and we lived in it and, and it, we didn't want anything to pierce it. And uh, yeah, it's, it's strange to reflect on that uh, and, and how you can just create, just make so many serious misjudgments. Uh, and it's been four years of just constant battery. And it was very immediate because our argument about it, what will probably happen is that through the natural process after we leave is that we'll likely to end up staying in the EU because the government is likely to prioritise the economy because that's common sense. Yeah? Uh, and because that's what we believed. That was so wrong. I mean, by September of 2016, Theresa May ruled out remaining in the single market. So that's how quickly our argument collapsed. Uh, June 2016 to September in the same year was the exact thing we argued for was ruled out. And since then, it's never been on the cards. And that is not how we're leaving. So everything I argued for was wrong. So, you know, I have been, I've, I have said, you know, I've had these long Twitter threads and articles and stuff, basically having to, you know, a bit of a confession and say, you know, I've discussed this with a lot of people. and I've, I've had to be, you know, show some humility. It has changed, changed the way I think. Uh, it's changed me as a person, I think, because... Since then, I've, I've I've got to a more comfortable position where actually, you know, it's okay to be unsure about some things, and it's okay to think actually I've changed my mind about that. It's okay to have to let people question you and think rethink things. I, I never want to get in that position again, where I, I think I'm that sure of anything. That's like obviously massively healthy, and it's something you don't see enough of, really. Um... Yeah, it's like political parties. You know, a lot of people support political parties as if they were football teams. Well, this is the thing, but what I was going to say is, but that's not really, really reflective of the times, really, is it? Um, because what we're seeing now is like such polarization in terms of people's opinions yeah. about um, the way things are heading. Um, Brexit was one in a a sequence of things yeah. that happened where, where these kind of, yeah, the, the right and left have just been completely... Um, separated and the middle ground seems to have disappeared and obviously people have talked about it to death yeah um but there is for me it's like i think one of the things we talked about at the time was because uh, well there's two things for me i think with brexit there's a huge pool of people majority of people probably who didn't really care about the idea of leaving the eu yeah and what it actually became very quickly became a conversation about racism yeah. and a conversation about little Englanders and us wanting to uh, dismiss the other, um, want to separate ourselves from the rest of the continent. Yeah. Um, and that's really what it's about because, because on the surface, that's what it looks like. Yeah. Um, but the, you obviously you're in the weeds and that's not the, the way you saw it. You had like logical reasons for leaving yeah. uh, because you thought the other people saw it like you exactly. Um, yeah. But really people, people who aren't interested and don't know the in, in depths of it, they, they just see the, 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 the emotional surface, yeah. uh, surface of it. Um, which is where I was definitely coming from. It's like you can see where that's coming from. If, if you're going to go with one side, um, the, the like kind of pro-Brexit side, that once, once you're kind of following on with this emotional line, um, you've got to kind of get in bed with a bunch of racists. and Yeah. You've got to get in bed with these people yeah. who, who fundamentally disagree with. It's like a, it's like the anti-mask marches I've seen in, in London recently. And David Icke's there <laughs> giving a speech and it's like, if David Icke is at is at your march giving a speech, <laughs> then you're at the wrong fucking <laughs> yeah. speech. Something is wrong. Yeah. Like it's, this is like it's, it's like am I a nutter? Bingo. Is David Icke talking there? Yes, you're yes, a nutter. Fucking bingo. <laughs> Fuck, you're a nutter. Yeah. It is like that, and that's happened. That's become more and more obvious after the referendum. Or not to excuse myself, I think anyone looking at it skeptically 
would have said, yeah, there was clear signs before the referendum. What actually happened? And and I've, I've you know, people, one of the worst things actually after uh, Brexit was feeling, even in a tiny way, in some way partly responsible for some of the suffering uh, of, of people who have come over from Europe and made life here. And, you know, conditions have got more difficult for them, either because of people, racists feeling empowered by the referendum uh, or, you know, just the, the, the legal terms of their residence changing just by the fact of the fact that we're leaving the EU, which puts everything at risk. Whatever the government policy may be, just the fact that it's changing puts them at risk and puts them in uncertainty. And I never really, I never wanted that for anyone. We, you know, we have a good friend who yeah, he's a, a resident now, I think he's, he's uh, got citizenship now, hasn't he? Arthur? Uh, yeah, I think so. I don't know. But, well, whatever. But, you know, he's... he's, he, <laughs> he's he talks, I barely listen to him, to be honest. <laughs> okay. Well, he's, you know, came from Poland, he's lived here many years, and I think, you know, from speaking to him, he, he, he is quite, you know, quite proud of his sort of British-Polish identity. That's how he thinks of himself. And so, see, on a personal level, it didn't actually affect him in the end, but it could have. You know, it could have. And... Oh, yeah. And at the time, one of our best friends had well, a... the thing. The thing with the thing with him is he's he he's an intellectual as well. So this is the thing. Yeah, um, yeah, he's, he's clever enough to he... work it all out and how to get around it. And others yeah. aren't. Um, you know, and I've, uh, I'm not going to say anyway. I haven't had a lot. You know, where I come from, it's not a very diverse area. I've not got friend. I've, that's one friend I've got from Poland. You know, I've got a diverse range of friends. I haven't even got many friends. So there you go. It's not a diverse range. There's not very many of them, but. You know, I've worked with one of them's a Poland. I've worked from pe- with people who've who've come over there, and I've uh, you know I've uh, I've met them, and you know I've had relations with them, and I, I never wanted. You know, it was fundamentally for me it was never about that. And, and what you said about getting in the bed of a racist that's another part of the delusion. I just thought that they wouldn't win out because I had a fantasy idea of how things would turn out and what the country was like. I did actually call out the racism at the time, which isn't a, which is only a doesn't excuse anything. Um, but it came from a point of delusion and misjudgment rather than actual prejudice. I didn't think I was getting into bed with them at the time. I thought that they would become an irrelevance due to the natural processes of government, which obviously now, four years later, or even at the time, is quite a stupid thing to think. I just thought that that is not how it would go. I didn't realise the radicals, the extremists, and it would have such a bigger voice afterwards. All right, should we move on a little bit? frivolous and stupid and pointless thing I wanted to ask you, Matt. How does this link to Brexit, you ask? Well, as a couple of politicians have said while behind the podium, Brexit does mean breakfast. And what I wanted to ask you was, what is your ideal breakfast, Matt? And the setting, the food... I actually have an ongoing argument with a guy called Christian something or other, some German name, I'm not sure how you pronounce it, uh, from the Institute of Economic Affairs. He's German and he's constantly saying how shit British sausages are. And he always fucking commented on pictures of, so- of you know, those standard British sausages you get in like a breakfast buffet at a shit hotel. There's just those, you know, sh- fucking crappy ones that look awful. He always comments on just those and says, oh, look, British sausages are shit. And I'm like, no, there are thousands of varieties. British sausages are awesome and you're an idiot. So there's a thing. Yeah, I mean, he can fuck off. Exactly. Like, oh, I'm just going to comment on the standard breakfast. That's a fucking shit it's a sausage. It's a fucking hot dog. Yeah. But I'm not assuming that all German sausages exactly. are shit because 
the standard breakfast you get in a fucking Christmas market. Exactly. I'm very, I, you know, I get quite animated about full it. Full of water. And, oh, there's a no. thing on Twitter, there's a meme you where people say, right rate my breakfast or all that shit. And he pops up, I sometimes I pop up before and say, don't do this because you're only getting a comment from him about shit bread sausages are. And then he pops up and there he is. It's making me really like, angry. No. I'm getting proper jing- jingoistic Actually, about this. I get less annoyed at him and more annoyed at the people constantly posting pictures of shit sausages. Stop it. Make yourself a proper breakfast. How do I rate your breakfast? Shit. And it often the, the breakfasts are often shit. They, why do people post pictures of like the worst looking breakfast you've ever had? That is not. Oh look, here's rate my breakfast. A great British fry up. No, there's no fucking beans on there. No fucking black pudding. That bacon looks fucking overcooked. What are you doing? No. No. Uh, wait a second. So I said, isn't Oi! the problem isn't isn't no! <laughs> isn't the problem isn't the problem just that people post pictures of the food and think that other people will find it interesting what you're talking about is like different people's idea of what what good is yeah but isn't isn't the actual fundamental problem i'm posting pictures of my fucking meals and things people should find that interesting that, nobody finds that interesting uh, well i think some people do actually um Oh, do they? When they look at your meals that you post online, uh, is that is that that what, that's when people find it interesting, is it? I don't think. Yeah. Oh, look, I made spaghetti. Great, you fucking spaghetti. I didn't brilliant. make it. It was from a restaurant. I, people <laughs> I might be bought interested. spaghetti. I was eating on my own at the time. I was very lonely. I didn't have any company. <laughs> I do like that. I like the idea of eating alone. And when you're that, you're like, oh, I've got no one to talk to. Anyway, veering away from that, the point is, yes, it's lame to take. You know. It's a thing, though. People put messages in the breakfast. Okay, so if you're going to do that, it better be a fucking good breakfast. People post all kinds of shit. So what's that? That is not even, like, Weatherspoon's quality. Get the fuck out of here. So what... If I was going to say, tomorrow you're going to wake up... Depends on my mood and the setting as well. Like, if I'm on, like, a caravan park in France... Cause I don't know why I've, I don't know why I've jumped to a caravan park in France, but that's where I'm jumping to, and, like, just a, just a, just a croissant. Like, yeah, just, yeah, just yeah. a freshly made... French croissant, which is probably yeah. made to just to just like imitate what English people think that a, a French croissant should be, yeah. um, but that's like that just like sets it off, and you've got that cold kind of crisp air, and you're sitting outside the the your caravan, and there's you're, you're hungover to fuck from the night before, but there's like you know there's there's Jew and no, not Jewish people, there's you're not, you're not a Jew, <laughs> there's there's Jew in the air. And it's yeah that that can be the perfect breakfast for me too, or or scrambled eggs and salmon. I mean that's that's pretty nice. Yeah, scrambled eggs a winner. Yeah, but if we're talking, what is the prime? You're hungover. You're in England, and you want a fucking. You need. You're fucking hungry. What are you gonna have? Got to be. Yeah, it's tricky. It's tricky because we like to just pile all the good things in together, don't we? Like, I, I would even throw fried bread in there. That's nice. I haven't had that for a long time. I haven't had that for a long, long time, but it is fucking very nice. Indulgent. So like fried bread with beans and black pudding, mushrooms, good bacon, good Uh, sausages. Yeah. Um, But then you're you're like, you're you're probably going to die by the time you've eaten it. And and probably going to like feel like you're going to have to go for a sleep. Best kind of meal. Is that how you want to start your day? It's the best kind of meal. It's the best kind of meal. Yeah, I mean, if it was ideal Saturday and I had nothing else to do, then I would have that and maybe a lager. That would be my ideal. And then just flake out. Lager, yes. That's why it's great. Like a cheap lager as well, a cheap, horrible... That's that's why it's great when you've got an excuse, like you go in... Carling, yeah. You know, when we went away to uh, Amsterdam early, did we do that or have I just made that up? Because I wasn't actually there, was I? (laughs) You and I have been to Amsterdam together. Twice, haven't we? One of those times wasn't a total fuck-up and I think we went to the airport at the same time. But that's another story. Um, So the story is that you and... For your wedding, 
your idea of a stag do this is i mean it was a few years ago uh, how many years ago 10 years ago uh 2012 nine years ago it was 2012 okay eight years ago um, yeah um yeah your wedding um and i mean i don't mean i don't mean to sound make it sound like you're pathetic but <laughs> your your stag do was 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 Shit. you and me and one other person <laughs> yeah it was very very dull um, Serious misjudgment. The, the the plan was to go to Amsterdam for a weekend. Yeah, and we we met uh, um, up at my flat in Leeds. Um, then the night before, then we went got a taxi to the airport the next day. And as we were walking into the entrance to the airport, you stopped. Literally, it was like in between the automatic doors. They opened, and you stood there in between them, oh, <laughs> and like God. kind of tapped your tapped your pockets and went, "I forgot my passport." Uh, that was literally you one of those vivid memories in my life. I do. You remember had to that. go all the way back to to Hull to get your passport, and me and Sam went and got the plane to Amsterdam. The worst part of it was when you were saying like, "Oh, check your bag, check it." And I was like, "No, no, no, no. Just let's get this straight. What's happened is I have never at any point even considered." bringing my passport I've never got it's not wherever yeah, it's, kept, thing, wherever it? it's yeah. stored it's still there I've never yeah. at any point are you sure you've forgotten your passport you should check, check your bags no 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 no. I know I've no instantly I know instantly I at no point passport. have I thought hey you need a passport to fly abroad let's get that out of the drawer foreign country fucking nightmare yeah. that was in Leeds Bradford and the hotel was booked under my or my dad's name so I had to be there and uh, so yeah. I drew, uh, I lived in Hull so I have to drive back from Leeds Bradford or whatever go to fucking Humberside and then pay for a new flight yes that was get a new flight yeah and, and the stag do itself to go and your and your stag do without you stag do itself you know <laughs> and wait for you you're supposed to get pissed and lively and have a bit of a laugh but we were just also stunned and it wasn't very much later it wasn't we yeah. were so stunned just prop by 11 o'clock propping up the bar thinking i just want to go home and go sleep it was fucking shit <laughs> i had the right time but if we'd gone as a trip for separate reasons it would have been fine but as i'd gone on a stag do, i was like why did i do and the reason being at the time i uh I, d- I just, yeah, I think you were, I was down to the two friends at the time. There's some people I was friends with who hadn't seen in years or wasn't confident enough to uh, ask to come. So it was just like, uh, I'll, I had to fill out the guests at my own wedding with people I hadn't spoken to in years. It was, oh, it's very fucking sad. Very sad. God almighty. Oh, it's great. I did have more it's friends funny. with that, listeners. I did once have more friends with that, but, uh, you know, fell out with my old school friends and uh, was left with just these dickheads. Oh man, I, I, to be honest, I've been feeling a bit like that recently. I think with 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 the you know the lockdown yeah, and everything. Far. Yeah, I feel that. I feel like God, God, well, I've literally like have like no friends. Yeah. Well, I've been saying to you, I was like, oh. <laughs> I've got my family, and like obviously that's very fulfilling. Um, and it, and it, it does take up all of my time. Yeah. Um, my wife and my children. So well, it's, yeah. it's 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 hard. It's hard, isn't it? But that every now and again you kind of get into a, like a moment, and you're like, oh fuck, I've got no friends. Well, yeah, especially <laughs> I've got these people who I talk to a bit texting um and that's it i don't even know how you make friends like i don't really know how you do it oh mate don't fucking you're in the wrong company i have no fucking I idea just don't um, so so what would be your ideal breakfast anyway uh well with full fucking english mate with every single little fucking add-on you can think of although i do quite like eggs benedict you know that's pretty nice. oh dear yeah all right it's pretty uh, rich yeah, i fucking love an eggs benedict yeah. pretty rich that's pretty nice and indulgent that's nice Steak and eggs, steak and eggs. That's fucking mint. Oh, really indulgent in the morning. Steak and eggs. You start, you start. Yeah, I mean that's an indulgent breakfast. Tell you, talking on indulgent breakfast. When I was in um, um, Louisiana, Oof, yeah, I had uh, fried chicken and waffles for breakfast, and that's covered in maple syrup, and that just feels like you're you're 
you're taking a few years off your life. <laughs> but it's 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 good. Really, really nice. Yeah, lovely. Yeah, stuff. I'm often jealous of the food you've eaten on your America trip. I don't even. I haven't even actually tried maple syrup on bacon yet. So presumably you've tried that. Right. Yeah, that's good. It's nice. What, what do you mean? I've never, I've never tr- bacon and pancakes and maple syrup. Yeah, I've tried no? that. I've tried that, and I've, I've had obviously I've had sort of honey sauces on on gammon. I've never actually got some bacon and put maple syrup on it for some reason. We've been experimenting at home with um with the oldie style uh, pancakes. So when you have pancakes, do you have pancakes at home? How do you have them if you've got? We don't them? have them often, but when we do have them, it's more the traditional style of you know what we do in this country with a thinner thinner sort of the thin yeah. Thin white base. Oh, okay, I think okay, I prefer yeah, that. Yeah. So when, when when we usually have them, we have them like the thick kind of American style. Yeah, that is nice. But recently, we've been we've been returning back to the roots, and I've been enjoying it a lot. Bit of sugar and lemon on that. I on the thin pancakes. I just like having syrup on them. Yeah. I'm still like a child. I just love syrup. I've syrup on crumbits. Yeah, syrup on pancakes. Good, yeah. I did love when I, went, I remember I was I was ten at the time when I went to America, and one of the things I remember the most when I went to Florida, typical family holiday in Florida. The thing I remember the most was the breakfast buffets, all-you-can-eat breakfast buffets. And at the time, I was a fat little, well, I'm the same thing now, cunt. greedy bastard who could, has some yeah. kind of superpower for gluttony. Uh, and I'm, I swear to God, I was like plump for years after going to America because I just ate constantly for two weeks. And the all-you-can-eat, you know, when, when I see all-you-can-eat, as you know, I think eat as much as you can, not all-you-can-eat. Eat as much as you can until you're nearly dead. Yeah, that's, that's what it means. Yeah. And... Isn't it? The breakfast buffets are pancakes, and then you can get all the bacon stuff, and you can get like blue jelly, which is you know appealed to me at the time being young, but now obviously mm-hmm. just mm-hmm. all kinds of shit, and you can just eat and eat and eat and eat and eat and eat. Grits, grits. I don't know if I, had, I might have had that. I don't know. I can't remember what that is. It's grits and there's it's like dirty porridge. What's the other thing they have? Uh, grits and fucking hell, what is it? Yeah, they call them biscuits, don't they? Grits and biscuits. Yeah, that. Yeah. means breakfast. Brexit means breakfast. Brexit means breakfast in the UK. Mark my words, we will make breakfast. Brexit a success. The government is hurtling towards a, yes, a chaotic breakfast that will damage our economy. Brexit or not breakfast. Brexit means Brexit means breakfast means breakfast. I don't remember anybody ever talking about hard Brexit or soft Brexit. It was just Brexit or not breakfast. people you know feel when i'm dead i thought about that when my dad died i thought about that in, in, when other people die what are people going to say about me what would my mates get up and say yeah, about me what are we going to think and and could i change oh, how i my i'm how, trying to think about the noise that i'd make i think i'd be like oh. yeah 
Just like a big release. Yeah. I don't think you'll be at my funeral because you're obviously going to die before most of this was. But, um, oh, mate, I will definitely be at your... Oh, yeah, yeah, true, I might die first, yeah. That's, that's nah. fair. That's um, fair. I think that, uh, yeah, I can imagine that. Oh, God, what to say about... I can imagine you saying a lot of inappropriate things. Oh, actually, here's something to say. Can I tell the <gasps> listeners this, actually? Can I tell this? I can imagine some of the things you say at my funeral because I could base it on what you said to my father-in-law the day after my wedding, which is frequently brought up, so listeners... The day after my wedding, in the hotel, in the morning, my father-in-law says to Matt, ooh, my neck aches. And Matt said to my father-in-law, who's never met before, must be all the cock-sucking. Now, that is very, very funny. Really? It's very funny. I don't It's very that. funny, but it was further evidence that Matt is as basically socially retarded as the rest of his friends. <laughs> and it's lucky... I don't remember You said it, you said that. it. I'm not sure about that. You said it. I was still drunk. Yeah, probably we all were. We had a lot to drink. We went to bed at 3am. I mean, you're you're forgiven. And I think it's very funny. And luckily, he's a nice guy and has a bit of a sense of humour. I think he was taken aback a bit. It's a good good anecdote. Uh, Also, you were meant to... (laughs) Also, we actually recently watched the thing, the video you made from the very limited footage that you did because you forgot to record most of it, (laughs) like a bell (laughs) Like, you didn't record any... I gave a great speech. Like, everyone said, oh, wow, we're really surprised how great speech was. Did you record it? No. You fucking bellin. Now, it was a bit, I do feel a bit bad because we did try and co-opt you into... Oh, you've made films in university, so you like filming things. Film this. So, fair enough. But, yeah. Actually, what you did was actually quite nice, then we look back on it. But, yeah, it's pretty funny to remember how yeah, you basically just off. forgot to record. Most. No, it was nice. It was nice. Thank you. You were one of my four friends, two of which I've never seen since. <laughs> Who cares at my wedding? <laughs> oh, God, I'm such a loser. I've got, I've got a few more friends than that, honestly. Yeah, it's weird how you sound like that. Yeah. Yeah, All right. Um, okay. So we, should we round, should we round up the episode? We've talked enough. Yeah. If anyone wants to be um, my friend, they can it... send me a DM with their details and you know their interests and you know, when they want to meet. Uh, that's a joke, by the way. I don't want to be your friend. This is the problem. My problem is that basically I instantly assume I'm not going to like someone and that I can't be asked with them. I'm just like like that. I, who's got time? I've got kids yeah. and a few yeah, friends I mean, to that's spend. Natural. I'm, I'm, you I'm think that, don't you? Like to fit in, speaking to say yeah. you and right. a couple um, of my friends yeah. is hard enough. I got fucking time for friends. So, yeah, yeah. fuck off, best. Come with you. Come with you. Good. Goodbye.